podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi, this is Tony Cotty and you're listening to the We Are West End podcast. You are listening to The Opposition View on the We Are West End podcast with me, Will Pugh, live from Athens. And in an odd quirk of fate, uh, I'm really, really, first of all, looking forward to West Ham's away leg at Olympiakos in the Europa League group stage tomorrow night. I'm recording this on Wednesday afternoon, just past midday UK time. Delighted to say that I'm joined by Ari from the Gate 7 International podcast, huge Olympiakos fan. But weird quirk, I'm in Athens, just around the corner from the game. Ari, uh, you find yourself dialing into me from halfway across the world in Baltimore. First of all, thanks for joining us. How on earth does that happen? Uh, it's, it's I'm definitely jealous, I'll say that much. Uh, I wish I could be there uh, enjoying the match because it's going to be fun. Uh, regardless of what happens, you're definitely in for a treat. So give us a little bit of your backstory then. You're uh, an Olympiakos fan through and through, um, but you, you're living over there on the east of the, the United States. Uh, you know, we've spoken to some West Ham from all across the world. I was lucky enough to get out to Australia in the summer and meet the thousands of them that live out there. So how is it? that you uh in the states and and support a team uh, yeah thousands of miles away so it really started with my my grandfather my papu as we say in greek uh, my family here were more baseball fans we'll say they weren't really big football or soccer fans as we say in the united states so the way that my grandfather connected with me through through football was through libyakos he's from the port of piraeus that's where he grew up and he figured Which is if, where I am right now. I exactly. think that's about two minutes around the corner from me. Yeah. <laughs> so he figured, you know, if he's going to be playing, if he's going to be playing football, then you know, why not have him uh, interested in a team that's Greek? And that's kind of where it all started. So he didn't really know what was going on. So I jumped into it full on, hundred percent, and I fell in love with Olympiakos ever since. Amazing stuff. For most of the podcast, Gate 7 International, going great guns by all accounts of a couple of other lads. One of them, a friend and colleague, to meet up with later on in Athens tonight. Have a chat with him about the game, have a few beers, show me some of the tourist hot spots. Um, do you do you sort of get do you get over here much? Do you get it's difficult if you still got family in Greece? Yeah, uh, usually I make it over just about every summer. Now, obviously, I have kids. It's a little bit more difficult. I didn't get to go this past summer because my wife had recently given birth to our second, but we we were there the year before. I actually went to a game with, uh, with Costa and a couple of my other co-hosts, so that was really fun. We saw the, the home opener against Basianina. It was a really fun time, and actually my first time seeing a game in the stadium. I have been inside the stadium so many times when it's empty, but this was my first time actually seeing a game played in the stadium. So it was a really special occasion for me. But yes, the I have plenty of family, as does my wife, that are in Greece still, and we see them all the time. 
Amazing stuff, amazing stuff. Look, uh, the, one thing you can clear up for me, first of all, because I think there's some confusion in England, certainly confusion for me. What is the correct way of spelling Olympiakos? Because there's some Ys, there's some Is, there's some Ks, there's some Cs that seem to creep in there. And even broadcasters in England don't seem to know. It seems to change in the year. So I want to know, what's the proper way to spell it? How do Olympiakos fans spell it? So that is actually still a point of contention among Greeks as well. Uh, I know when, when we, yes, we still get some, we still get some messages sometimes when we post on social media because we spell it, which is for me, the accepted term, the accepted way to spell it in English is Olympiakos with a C. So that's how okay. we usually spell it on socials, but we get so much uh, sometimes uh, from so much stick from Greece where they will say, no, it needs to have a K. Because in right. Greek, there's no there's no C. Uh, there's right. nothing that there's nothing that translates to C. They have K. They have Gabba. Right. So they yeah. want us to put K. So that's it's still a debate to this day. But for okay, me, it's so, Libyakos. All right, all right. So you're you're using C's, but it's definitely a Y, isn't it? Rather than a, rather than an I after the L. Uh, that's correct. Yes. No, okay, cool, cool. At least I've cleared something up. Um, but look, Harry, the, the, you know, the, there's. I want to talk to you about the game, players, lineups, all that sort of thing. One thing I must ask you, first of all, though, is and a lot of the talk around this trip. You know, I've I've made the trip out here on my own, meeting some fellow West Ham fans in and around the city. Over the next couple of days, we'll be going to the game with them. Very much looking forward to that. But there's been lots of talk. Um, about safety concerns on two fronts, really. Primarily, obviously, the scenes we all saw at the weekend in the derby with Panathinaikos, with the game suspended at one all after a Panathinaikos substitute one car got struck with a firework thrown from the crowd. And then also the fact that Panathinaikos are also at home on Thursday against Wren in the Europa Conference League, uh, just three or four hours after the West Ham Olympiacos game kicks off. I've seen a lot of, you know, if you were that way inclined, you could be quite scared by a lot of the stuff you've read. Um, I've felt perfectly safe here during the day since I arrived this morning, but obviously it's, it's, it's not quite game day yet. Reading lots about the police presence and, you know, West Ham have got to meet at an agreed point three hours before the game and get, uh, you know, taken into uh, the to the stadium by a police escort. There's no other way of getting there. It's compulsory, blah, blah, blah. Um, just talk to me a little bit about all of that and how you see all that. So uh, first I'll start with why the police presence is there. So you may or may not be aware. I mean, it was global news, but there was uh, an Ike fan when they played um against uh or it was in one of the against dinamo zagreb in their qualifiers this summer yep. and ike fan was killed with yeah. due to fan violence um the bad blue boys the ultras of dinamo zagreb came over they got in they started trashing the area around the stadium um ike you know fans who repeatedly patrolled the stadium uh, and that's one thing maybe that's a lot different in Greece than in England. You'll, you would see, especially before this incident, there was no security in the way of police at the games. It was the ultras that are policing the stadium. Right. You're going there. They're the ones walking around. They're the ones making sure that nobody's doing anything stupid. So since this event with the Bad Blue Boys and the murder of um, Michalis, the, there's now a heavier police presence at these games, especially for international fixtures. 
So to start with, there's the context there. Now to Sunday, uh, unfortunately, there's a lot of not that it makes the gravity of the situation any any less worse, I should say. But mm. um, the one car was not hit with a firecracker. What happened was a firecracker went off uh, about 10, 15 meters away from him. He lost okay. hearing in his one ear temporarily, which gave him right. took him a little bit off balance. Firecrackers are yeah. still illegal. You can't bring them to the pitch, even in Greece, even though it happens all the time. But sure. it uh, he had temporary hearing loss, which, of course, created a little bit of a, an imbalance for him. And which is what caused the whole scenario and then has brought the discussion forward. Now, because many British it, news reports did say that he was struck by a fire. Oh, yes. So, yes. We were, yeah. anyway. we were chatting with a couple of different uh, news sources, correcting them on, on that information. Again, not that right. it makes the act any. No, less, no, quite. You know, quite. But Still bad for the player and scary. Exactly. Exactly. But the, I will say this. Um, it's different. It's a different situation when you're playing in Europe. There, you're not going to see as many of the, the the flares, the firecrackers, because of the European bans that can occur. So that doesn't sure. happen for the European games. But when it comes to Greece, it's a different animal. It's the Wild West here when it comes to the derbies, especially. Hmm. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, from a what, what do you make of of that? That a lot has been made of it again in in uh, British reports that of the fact that. Uh, Panathinaikos and Olympiakos are playing at home on the same day. Obviously, you don't want to see games getting abandoned, but am I correct in saying that it was solely because of that incident where the player was in danger rather than any violence between the fans? Um, that, that incident we saw. But what, what do you make of that? Is it as bad as it's being made out that the two teams are playing at home on the same night? Because there was talk initially of one of the games being moved. They're playing Rennes, of course, who, to be honest, are, have been involved in some incidents in France, fans of theirs before. Um, what, what do you make of that? Do you think it's being blown out of proportion or do you think it's a bit of a bold move or perhaps stupid move from UEFA to keep them both on the same night? I think I, I, I definitely understand the concern, especially two games in Athens on the same on the same night. I don't think I recall something like that ever happening, at least in the last 10, 15 years. I can't recall another situation like that. Definitely would spread the police presence pretty thin. I know the games are at different times, yeah. but it in reality, because the 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 areas where everything is going to be happen are kind of spread apart. I mean, it's still pretty close, but I I don't foresee any issues. Um, what like we talking between fans? What we took because I was going to ask you that, like geographically, if West Ham and Chelsea, for example, played at home on the same night, wouldn't matter opposite sides of London. If if Charlton and uh, Tottenham play at home, north and south of London, completely different. You know, London teams play, but again, Arsenal and Tottenham they try and avoid that wherever possible. Uh, I think always, almost. Um, and the same sort of thing, really. Do you know Manchester City and Manchester United rarely play at home on the same day, right? Um, yeah, do you know what I mean? I, I, I just uh, is, is it one of you mentioned geographically? I, I obviously know where the Olympiakos Stadium is. I went past it earlier, and it's quite funny. I've already texted some family at home. I'm saying it looked intimidating at yeah. midday on a Tuesday. Uh, sorry, midday on a Wednesday. Let alone what it's going to look like at um, sort of you know five o'clock an hour or so before the game tomorrow. Um, but yeah, did, is it, it you sort of suggesting there that perhaps it's not quite as of a bigger deal as is being made out because geographical 
reasons? Yeah, it's not that it's not like you can definitely cover the distance via public transportation to get from one stadium to another, but it's not like it's that fast. And I don't know, at least for me, for me, it was because my, my family has a place near where Panathinaikos Stadium is. Uh, mm-hmm. We have an apartment that's nearby. And I can tell you, like going from Olympiacos Stadium to get back, it's not it's not like a fun trip. It's even though distance wise, if you're just looking at the kilometers, it's not super far. But like right. getting there, it's not super. I I would be really surprised if there's overlap between fans uh, and any kind of violence on on that on a normal maybe on a normal day if it were a normal Super League game, maybe, but not for this. I think everyone's yeah. going to be a little bit too preoccupied personally. So there won't be any sort of fallout or bitter feeling as far as you're concerned from the incident and the game being called off at the weekend? Cool. Well, it depends what you mean by bitter feeling. Uh, just, just, physical, you know, enough physical to, bitter in, feelings? Or? Enough to spark something between fans, I guess. Uh, I don't think that would be the case today because there hasn't been any decisions. And uh, I don't think we're going to get a decision. The earliest we would get a decision is probably Friday when we get a decision in the courts related to what happens, then I'd say there's probably, you know, more, but not now. Nothing's happening. Right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, look, Ari, I can already tell, obviously, you know, as we try and be on our podcast, um, we try and be objective about our own club and our own fans where it's important. And I made, you know, Costas, who is your co-host when I was texting him about making this trip. um, And I did say, you know, I'm thinking of coming on my own safety wise, you know, what does that mean for me? Where should I be staying? That sort of stuff. Um, and I think it's fair to say, I don't think you mind me saying this initially, I think he was a little bit, not perhaps defensive. And he just said, you know, just remember that at the final in Fiorentina, the Europa Conference League final, which West Ham, of course, won in Prague, the reason that we had an away fan ban was because lots of our supporters were launching plastic beer cups at the Fiorentina players, one of which hit their captain and drew blood. And we got a two-game away fan ban. One of those is suspended. Uh, so we've already served that away at Freiburg. Um, so, you know, what? again, I think lots of this, this sort of European ultra stuff gets a bit sensationalised yeah. in Britain. And I've been fortunate enough to go to lots of the West Ham European away games over the past few seasons. And the only time really there's been any trouble was, bizarrely, in Seville, um, where some Eintracht Frankfurt fans, um, you know, made a small-scale attack, completely unprovoked. West Ham fans just in there enjoying themselves um, because they were playing Real Betis the same night as West Ham played Seville. Or sorry, the night before, but there was West Ham fans already. But other than that, it's genuinely, West Ham fans particularly have just been enjoying themselves the whole time. But this is the first game, I'll be honest, where I have thought, oh, there's a bit more in this than usual and perhaps that's because we get some more stories around greek football fan violence there's a bit more of an ultra culture um i guess i'm right so what i'm basically asking you is is any of that true you know from your point of view and as an insider and someone who's got their eye on olympiakos particularly and greek football as a as a whole um is there much in that you know the the, the fan violence stuff uh, is there more of a reason for West Ham fans out here including myself I guess to be a little bit more alert and be a little bit more nervous and aware than perhaps we have done or have had to be previously um I'll start by saying this because you brought up Frankfurt fans 
so far, the Frankfurt Ultras are one of the worst, uh, at least f- from our experience. My co-hosts went to the Frankfurt game when Olympiacos played Frankfurt, and Olympiacos fans were getting jumped out of the Metro by Frankfurt mm-hmm. Ultras on the way there. They are a stage worse. They are legit mafia and hooligans and, and criminals. Uh, Gate 7, the Ultras, as they're called for Olympiacos, you're not going to so much be bothered unless the fans are causing. If they're causing a problem, they 100% will step in. You'll have some people that are stepping in. And if it gets rowdy, then I would expect that. But if if you're there enjoying the game outside, maybe some banter here and there, I doubt anybody's going to bother you. But if the fans are getting rowdy, it wouldn't surprise me in any way, shape, or form to see um, to see some of the our fans jumping in. Yeah, fair enough. Well, as I've mentioned already, the you know West Ham fans are required to go to a certain meeting point three hours away. Sorry, uh, three hours before kickoff time, I believe. There's compulsory coaches. You have to go and meet there and get yes. coached in on these things. So it seems like a pretty tight-knit security operation. Um, we'll be kept in after the game for at least half an hour, I'm sure, as well. Um, so it certainly seems like the police are, are sort of on the ball and there's... there's uh, you know preparations in place already. Uh, look, Ari, let's let's talk about the the football as well. I'll be honest. When this draw was made, uh, the league draw, the Europa uh, group stage draw, I was delighted. Olympiakos came out a huge name in European football. Iconic, you know, often often played in the Champions League. You know, they've had big big ties at home and away. Uh, group stage. United have played out here. I was thrilled when the draw was made because it's still such a novelty, even though we're on our third year on the spin of, of playing in Europe. It's such a novelty to be able to watch West Ham play in Europe uh, that the opportunity to come to Athens, the first time I've ever been here in my life, uh, and watch West Ham play Olympiakos was for me just an opportunity I couldn't miss. So I'm absolutely delighted um, that I get to be here. How do um, Olympiakos fans view this uh, competition? They're first in the uh, Greek Super League at the moment, which, correct me if I'm wrong, isn't isn't unusual. People, I think, would consider, uh, outside of Greece anyway, that Olympiakos are the biggest team in Greece. How do Olympiakos fans view the, the Europa League and how seriously they take in this game against West Ham and the competition this season? So it's important that we look at some of the context surrounding our season uh, to answer that question. So last season was, by Olympiakos standards, a disaster. Uh, we went through four coaches and it w- we didn't win the league. And usually, even when we're at our worst, especially in the last few years, we still win the league by a considerable margin. Right. So it was really bad last year. We went through an entire rebuild over the summer. I mean, we cleaned house. Uh, you know, I think uh, approximately 30 players left, whether it was loans or sales. Um, you know, a lot of players came in, uh, new sporting director, new coach. And a lot of other backroom office positions have been have been changed out as well. So it was really big. And this, as far as this season goes, we are, you know, we're playing much better football. We still have a lot of uh, kinks to work out, but right now we are playing like the best team in Greece. It's between us and Panathinaikos, which is also why that derby was so big. The, in Europe though, we're, we're very disappointed because our, you know, 
We're, we're coming out right now of our first two games with one point, and we should have yeah. six. We were the better team in both of those matches against Freiburg as well. Lost the, three two at home to Freiburg. Correct. We lost three two, and the and two the first two goals were gifts. You know, I mean, we, we we absolutely gifted them. Nicholas Freire, who's been a, a very contentious player since he arrived from uh, Mexico, uh, playing for uh, Punas UNAM. And uh, he just gave the ball, literally just gifted the ball to to the attacker on the press, gifted it to him. They scored, um, and ho- horrible. And then Banos uh, Retzos, who's our other center back, gives up a, a really, really, really amateur penalty, and to 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 give them a second goal. And we had more opportunities. Uh, I mean, the XG situation. If if you took away the penalty, and you, you took away the gift, I mean. It was at one point we were like it was one point two to point two uh, against Freiburg, so it's it's horrible. I mean, you look in in the entire Europa League, we have one of the least expected goal uh, goals allowed, least XGA, two point two four, and but we've conceded five goals. That should tell you something. Yeah. It's it's really poor. Center back is a very is a position where we're we're struggling with right now. We're we're hoping we make it to the winter just to see things out, but it's been a disappointing European season. We were hoping to have the six points at this point because we knew West Ham was a, a, an uphill battle. Uh, you know, your club is over four and a half times the value of our club. Your roster is worth uh, probably three to four times our roster. We we know that the caliber of players is a completely different animal. We wanted this to be like okay. We don't need to get the points here because we've got the yeah. we needed. But now we're sure. under the gun and we have to go for something. Yeah. The um what the you, you played back at Topola um in the other game. That was away, obviously. You've only played Correct. one home game. The West Ham game's your second. That was a two-all draw. Um West Ham, you know, I mean they sort of it's fair to say made light work um of back to Polo. They obviously went one new up. That was a mistake from Angelo Bonner. Then we won three one. And the game against Freiburg, we played really well. We 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 deserved that victory, limited them to a, a 10, 15 minute spell. Other than that, we dominated and and deserved that win. Is I think I was certainly surprised to see Olympiacos certainly only draw at home with with Baca Topola after that that surprise Freiburg game. Um, what what what's the the thoughts at the moment? Is the Europa League now the priority um, among fans and and the manager? So that would depend who you ask. Given the fact that we didn't win the title last season and we are going through a rebuild, most people would say, "Look, we got to win the league this year. Whatever happens in Europe happens in Europe." I am one of the ones where. In a normal season, winning the league is more or less a given. Yeah. That's especially in, in modern Olympiacos history, that is a given. It's not as special to us. So we want, but we want something in Europe. And I, I can tell you this season, you know, we are the football we're playing, we are the best team in Greece uh, with the football we're playing. I mean, we we lead we lead the Greek league in in pretty much every every metric you can think of. Fewest goals conceded, most goals, most opportunities, uh you name it, most touches in the final third, most touches in the penalty area, you name it, we're, we're, we're at the top of it. It's in Europe where we want to get our pedigree back because we we really haven't done much in Europe for quite a few years, ever since uh, Pedro Martins' second season when we, we lost to the Wolves in the round of 16 of um, Europa League. And yeah. that was during the COVID season where we have we not had the interruption, we beat Wolves. 
we we definitely beat Wolves and we go on to probably the quarterfinals. And, you know, we we lost to uh, Arsenal in the round of 16 a couple seasons ago, but ever since then, it's just been downhill. So it really depends who you ask. I think the, the minimum for us is we want to win the league this year to go back to, to being the dominant force in Greece. But for people like me, I also want to see us do something in Europe. I at least want to see us make it out of the group stage, even if it means going into conference. Perhaps that wouldn't be as bad as many make it out to be. I would want yeah. us to to get out of that at the very least. Is that fair? Maybe it's not. This is a two-year project at minimum based on what Diego Martinez and Antonio Cordon, our sporting director, have to do. But for us, we do want to see some some victories in Europe. So the uh, the any we'll move on to uh, to players quickly um, in a in a short while, Ari. I just want to get your your thoughts very quickly first on the owner, um, of course the the owner of Nottingham Forest, uh, Evangelos Marinakis, and he's been quite a he's probably most well known, I think, in England for uh, the vast amount of transfers he made within one, I think it was something about 34 in one a year period or something in and around yeah. Nottingham Forest's promotion to the Premier League. Uh, it seemed like sort of, you know, Steve Cooper, good manager, um, kept him in, in the league somehow. And, and they seem to have sort of found their feet a little bit more. And I don't think anyone's really backing them to go down this season, but Talk to me a little bit about what he's like as a as a character. He's an Olympiacos boy originally, and and I understand that uh, in Greece his reputation is is sort of similarly crazy and wild to to what it is in in the UK. Uh, I think in Greece it's probably even a little bit more crazy. So right. there's things that he can do in Greece that he definitely cannot do in the UK. Um, okay. he's definitely a lot more outspoken in Greece, uh, but not just him. That's all the owners. I mean, here, right. the, the, the football, the football, the super league is, it's pretty much, uh, uh, I don't know how to explain it. It, you, you could, you could pretty much equate it to like, uh, Andy Cohen, Bravo TV series drama between the billionaires. That's, right, that's really right, what yeah. it is in the end. Um, the culture and the environment also around Greece is a lot different than the UK. Sure. Um, Marinaki has always been in in England at least a little bit different, maybe a little bit more hands off than he is in in Greece. And I know that there was talk last season, maybe him being a little bit too involved in transfers when they first got promoted, but then he kind of took a step back. Um, Steve Cooper, I will tell you, if this were Greece and Libyakos with Steve Cooper last season, he gets fired. Mm. He doesn't yeah, stay sure. on as long as he did. He gave um, him a new contract, didn't he, Marinakis? Yes. Just like in in the middle of when he was sort of, which people appreciate. Everyone backed that, I think, to show support for yes. him. It seemed to buck the players up. Yes, and and for me that was the right decision. But in Greece, when you're in the bubble of Greece, patience does not exist in the same way it does in in England. Sure. We, I mean, this is a, a league where we call it the coaching carousel. It is not unusual for half the teams to have changed uh, coaches by by the mid-year break or sometimes within a couple months. We've already had, I believe, three teams already change their managers uh, right. in the okay, Super yeah. Bowl. So it's 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 a different it's a different animal. It's the Wild West here uh, yeah, in football sure. terms. So uh, he's a much he's a, he's definitely. But I do think that he has taken some lessons from his ownership in England in Nottingham Forest. And applied right. that here because this is really the first year we have never 
really seen him, at least since Pedro Martins came into coach, how much trust and how much leeway he is giving to the sporting director and the coach to run things here. It is their show. That doesn't yeah. happen in Greece at Olympiacos. That doesn't happen at all. So you have to believe that he's taking a lesson maybe from England uh, when he's doing that. Yeah, I see, I see. Um, look, it's, it's sort of just another interesting backstory, really. Uh, talk to me a little bit. Look, you know, we'll talk about the game now. I think um, it's vital for Olympiacos to win. You sat on one point, as you mentioned. West Ham, I would say, all but qualify. If yeah. they that puts us on nine points, you'll still be on on one unlikely backer to Polar beat Freiburg, to be quite honest with you. But I think West Ham sitting on nine points then makes it all but impossible um, for them to to go out, uh, you know, even if we were to lose our, our next three games, which I, I think is unlikely. So, yeah, it's a massive game for me and, and for the club, really. I think David Moyes will approach it in that way. Um, but just talk to me, first of all, sort of about some of the players, just having a quick look. Um, through the Olympiacos squad before we come on. Uh, and there's sort of three names, really, um, that stand out to me, which I'd argue is, is probably less than perhaps would have been historically. There's normally one or two maybe former Premier League players um, that, you know, may, maybe even a few more, a bit few more well-known faces. You've got Daniel Pedense, um, of course, formerly of of Wolves, and uh, and then just on the bench, I uh, noticed as well, Stevan Jovatic and uh, Jao Carvalho used to play for Nottingham Forest, just sort of the names that that leap out at me. Um, what, who, who are we sort of looking at star player-wise for uh, for your team? So the big name that, you're, that you've glossed over there actually has nothing to do with the Premier League. He's a, a Greek boy through and through. And I think, and he, of course, he spent some time in Germany, but Kostas Fortunis is going to be um, really the impetus of a lot of our attacks this season. And he is, uh, this year, he's he's really started off, he's a different animal. A lot of our dangerous opportunities will come from him. Right. We've already seen it in almost He's a left winger, right? Uh, technically, he's a 10, but he's been playing right. on the wing. Um, he, it's been like that for a couple seasons now. Most of the fans want to see him back behind the striker where he belongs, but because we're in a situation again this season where we pretty much have like three, four tens in the team, you got to move people where you got to move. And he's very effective. Yeah. He's a set piece master as well. He, a, a lot of our most dangerous plays, our most dangerous possessions this season come off the back of Cosas Fortunis, even if he's not the one playing the assist or the hockey assist. He's he's the one helping spur the buildup. He's a very talented player, and by far, by far, he is the most important piece in the attack in that respect. Daniel Podence, since returning to Olympiacos, has hit the ground running. Uh, he's he's still a great player, one of the best progressive attackers uh, in the not just in the Greek league but on our team. Whether it's passing the ball into the final third or carrying it in the final third, he's another one of those uh, impetus. Can hold the ball very well, connects very well with Costa, Costas Fortunis, and and Rodine, our right back, uh, who's been a, a revelation this season for us. Um, Podence's seven seven goal contributions in six appearances so far. Um, technically he has an assist in against Panathinaikos, but that doesn't count yet, but that's a, a whole different story altogether. Yeah, sure. So between Costa, Daniel, um, Podence and, um, Rodine, our right back, 
the most of our attacks come from the right side. And a lot of that is because of Rodine. He is a freight train. Once he gets moving, you cannot stop him. Uh, right. Fast, very strong, a lot, a lot of volume into He's the, your right the penalty. Pack, Rodine, yeah. yes. Brazilian right, right, right okay, back. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, just just sort of how are you you know, expecting Olympiacos to, to set up then? It looks like a 4-2-3-1 in your last game. Yes. Is that pretty standard? With that? And, and then how do you expect it to play out style-wise then as well as a formation? Uh, how do I expect? So based on what we what we see, we're, we always start the games pretty strong. So I'm not going to be surprised, especially because we're home. You're going to see a very intense press. Um, it, it'll look kind of like in when the pressing is happening, kind of like a four-two-four. So you're going to see um, you're going to see our wider players really getting forward with the striker and whoever's sitting behind the striker, and it's going to be early on an all-out press. It will drop off repeatedly. The second half is where we we definitely struggle. We'll start off very strong, but then the adjustments have not been great this season. So you'll see us kind of taper off, maybe pick up in the middle the middle third of the second half. But I do expect a, a pretty high press, a pretty intense press, although it's probably not something I would do. No, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. I, I think, to be honest, that... That tends to to suit West Ham a little bit. We we struggle more against teams who who sit off of us a little bit. We're always more than happy for the opposition to have the ball. And I think although a win will all but seal our qualification, like I mentioned, I think David Moyes, particularly the start we've had so far, will be happy with a draw from this game. Really, I don't necessarily think they'll approach it in that fashion. But I think it will be more conservative. Um, then less so. Uh, but if, if, if you're likely to, to push on, especially given that you need to win the game, really, um, I think that might end up playing into West Ham's hands. Listen, Ari, it's been absolutely brilliant having you on the We Are West Ham podcast. It does seem a little bit odd that uh, I'm I'm sat in Athens and, and you're over there in, in Baltimore, but you clearly know your stuff. And uh, yeah, quite a nice little um, sort of thing about your granddad living and being brought up just around the corner from, from where I'm sat now. I really, really can't wait for this game tomorrow night. West Ham away at Olympiacos. I mean, what a fixture that is for so many West Ham fans watching and listening. Um, that I don't think the novelty, you know, we've seen our, t- our team play Sevilla and Leon and Eintracht Frankfurt in the past couple of seasons, Fiorentina, of course, in the Europa League final. And I don't think it's really worn off yet, to be quite honest, for, for lots of fans, the fact that it's our team playing these fixtures. It certainly hasn't. Uh, for me, so I'm absolutely chomping at the bit to get uh, to get to game day and and get into the into the stadium, which promises to be an amazing atmosphere as well. Ari, before we let you go, what is the score going to be Thursday night, West Ham away at Olympiacos in the Europa League group stage? Two uh, one Olympiacos loss. 2-1 Olympiacos lost. Goodness me, not fooled with uh, with confidence at all. We rarely get opposition teams come on uh, and back West Ham to win. You know what? I would take that now, obviously, um, with the points. But I just hope, as I sort of always feel with the, with away games, I, I hope I get to celebrate a West Ham goal um, and we come away with a decent-ish result, which I, th- I think a point is a decent result at this stage. I can't see us just whitewashing... Uh, the group completely again. I, I reckon you'll you'll come at it. So I'm going to go for a one-all draw 
uh, in that game tomorrow night. It's a bit of an early kickoff as well, but promises to be an absolutely amazing game. Ari from Gate 7 International Podcast, a huge Olympiacos fan, beaming in live from Baltimore. Thanks so much. We hope you enjoy the game from wherever you're watching it. We hope you've enjoyed uh, this opposition view on the We Are West Ham podcast. I've been Will Pugh. I'm out in Athens. You'll have some more content from me over the next few days and we'll of course have the Everton opposition view later on this week thanks for listening everyone West Ham and Massive come on you Irons bring on Olympiacos tomorrow night and we'll see you next time Hi this is Tony Cotty and you're listening to the We Are West Ham podcast Podcast Network.